A beautiful message in that song, and uh, it's so true too, Judy, what you read earlier in, in Romans, how nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can. No matter what we've done, not even death can separate us from that. So thank you for that message this morning. Uh, we have been talking in this season of Lent about preparing our celebration of Easter, but more than that, looking at our lives and getting rid of the things in it that hinder our life with Christ and adding to our life things that we need so that we are clean, so that we are effective, so that we are bringing glory to God. Pastor Brady told us to wake up. Too many times we Christians are asleep. We need to wake up. Last week we learned, as we know, how deadly sin is and how we need to eliminate it from our life if we're going to live a life that's pleasing to God. And today, I want us to consecrate, consecrate, not concentrate, <laughs> consecrate ourselves to God. In other words, we are to take our lives and make them clean, make them ready for God to use. You see, I want to show you this verse from Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, where Joshua tells the people, Consecrate yourselves, because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. This is when the Israelites were now ready to go into the promised land. After 40 years of wandering in the desert, and after a generation had passed away because of disobedience, now they're ready to cross the Jordan River. God is ready to do great things in their midst. They are about to cross miraculously across the Jordan River, much like the previous generation crossed through the Red Sea. But God wants them to be ready for what He wants to do in the nation. Much like God told the Israelites when they came to Mount Sinai, He told them then to consecrate themselves. Be ready for what God is going to do. It's a moment in time when they are to examine their lives, eliminate the sin, focus on God, and be a vessel that He can use to bring glory to His name. This is a very crude analogy, but let's imagine you are trying to make a wonderful meal and you go to the kitchen and all of the dishes are dirty. Are you going to use those dirty dishes to put your lasagna in and your salad in and pour the drink in? You're not going to do that. You can't use those vessels. They're dirty. For the, the moment in the use of cooking and eating, they're useless. They need to be cleaned up. They need to be prepared so that they can be used. And sometimes that's true in our lives. God wants to do amazing things. He wants to do great things. But our lives are a mess. They're dirty. In that moment in time, they're useless. God can't use us. And so in this time of reflecting and renewing and refreshing, this morning I want us to clean up, be ready, so that we can be clean vessels that God can use to do amazing things.
And my sermon this morning is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a lot of scripture, almost a long list of ways that we can do that. How can we consecrate ourselves? How can we clean up? How can we be prepared vessels for God's revival? Well, this is how we do it. Let's begin with the basics. You need these basics for God to do anything in your life. You need salvation. You had to have a relationship with God. And with that relationship, you need to be in God's word. You need to pray. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Of course, it begins with the relationship with God. Paul tells us this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. That's the first step, isn't it? We must be children of God. We must be saved if God is going to do anything with us. We have to have a relationship with Him. And so this morning, again, I never take it for granted that everyone who's here, certainly everyone who's watching, has a relationship with God. So right now, consider that. Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sin, rose again to life? Have you put your faith in him and him alone for your salvation? If you haven't, right now is the moment to do so. And in so doing, you will be a new creation. And you will have a relationship with God. You will have new life. You will have eternity with Jesus as your uh, eternal destiny, heaven as your home. But it begins there. So don't forget that. And that's the most important thing. But I do guess that majority of us here, maybe all of us here, maybe everyone who's watching as well, you are a Christian. You have that relationship. Well, if you have a relationship with God, the way that you keep it close is like you keep any relationship close. Think of a friendship. Think of a marriage. Think of any relationship you have. If you want to stay close, you have to talk to each other. You can't say that you love your wife and have a relationship with your wife and never talk to her, never listen to her. I guess some married couples would like that. I mean, maybe that's better for them. Well, that's not true marriage or a true relationship. So it's the same with God. You've got to listen to him. That's what we do when we read God's word. This from Psalm 119 when David says, How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Is that true of your life? That you're constantly thinking, meditating, reading the word of God. We have to listen to God. That's how he speaks to us is through his word. We're having a conversation with God. Then we're going to pray, right? We're going to talk to him. So in listening, by reading the word of God, by talking to him through prayer. And this from 1 Timothy 2, Paul tells us, First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. Paul here tells us to pray. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, pray constantly, continually, without ceasing. This is the basics of a vessel prepared for God to use. A relationship with him that continues to grow because there's a continued relationship of listening, obeying the word of God, 
talking, praying to God and being led by God. God, the Holy Spirit, is in every Christian. We cannot have a relationship with God without the Spirit. There's no such thing as a Christian without the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not a Christian. So every Christian has God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. As we said last week, we have a choice because we still have free will, whether to listen to the Spirit or to say no to the Spirit. But when we are led by the Spirit, that is when we have victory in life and that is when life becomes one that is amazing and close to God. Paul tells us in Ephesians, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And you've heard this verse often, heard this analogy often. What Paul is saying is this, just like someone who drinks to excess, they are controlled by the alcohol. They slur their speech, they can't walk, or they lose the inhibitions that they have. In a sense, the alcohol takes over. They're not the same person that they were because the alcohol is in control. But like alcohol takes over someone who drinks, Paul says, don't do that. Rather, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and lead you, guide you, direct you. And in a sense, like alcohol moves people around and like when they're drunk, allow the Holy Spirit to move you like that. So These are the basics. We sang a children's song not too long ago. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Some of the simplest, most basic things we need to hear over and over again to be reminded. This is how walking with God is. Let's move on from the basics. Talk about holiness. We mentioned it some last week when we talked about sin and eliminate it from our lives. But how can we be vessels God can use, again, if we're dirty? need to be clean. I want to focus on having a pure heart, moral purity, and obedience. Listen to this verse from 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is a review from last week that when we admit, confess to God our sin. Be honest with him that what we are doing is sinful and we repent of it. God forgives us that sin. And our relationship with God is restored. We are made clean. We are righteous before God. And we as Christians, the way I like to say it is to have short accounts of sin. See, what can happen is we can sin And we ignore it and we sin and we set it aside and we sin and we don't confess it. And we kind of have this balance sheet of sin just piling up. Sin upon sin upon sin. And it's like we talked last week, it separates us from God. It sends us down the road of destruction. Well, this is how it should be. When sin comes into our life, we confess it, repent it, and then it doesn't build up. A relationship with God is... Broken because of sin, but we repent, we confess, and it's restored. And every time we do that, this verse tells us God will forgive us, restore that relationship. So we, daily we should be confessing, repenting, so that we remain close to God. The next verse reminds us 
how pure we must be as Christians. Paul says, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints, obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather thanks. For no one recognizes this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Listen, Paul says here that if you're sexually immoral, if you're greedy, impure, you're an idolater. We talked about that last week. When we sin, we are saying to God, God, I don't care what you say. I am God, and I will do what I want to do. So really the essence of every sin is I, and every sin is idolatry, because we are worshiping ourselves rather than God. And he says, therefore, if you're an idolater, a sinner, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. That's true. But praise the Lord that God paid for our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's true that no sinner has a place in heaven unless they are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And then we are made righteous. Then we are made whole. And we're there in heaven not because of what we have done, but because what Christ has done. And what Paul is saying here reminding us is that We Christians have been saved from sin. We've been set free from sin, as we said last week. So this isn't our life anymore. That's the life of sinners. That's the life of people not in the kingdom of God. That's the life of people cut off from God. That's not your life. It may have used to have been your life, but that's not your life now. So if that's not who you are now, then don't make that your life. So there should not be any impurity in our lives. Of any kind, he mentions sexual immorality. He mentions coarse talking and joking. Now, if you are a Christian, you live your life, there should not be any of that. As as I say many times, your life should be different. The, The jokes that are told maybe in your workplace shouldn't come out of your mouth. What unbelievers do shouldn't be your lifestyle. Because we are children of God. We are to be pure. Next verse reminds us to be obedient. I love this in 1 Samuel. If you remember the context, King Saul is talking about how he worshiped God by all of these sacrifices. He's trying to convince Samuel that even though he disobeyed God, he made up for it by offering all these animals. Samuel says, look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. This is also a review from last week. Remember last week how God condemned the worship of the Israelites. They were great at sacrificing, great at having the festivals, great at doing all the religious stuff. But their life was filled with sin and disobedience. And rebellion. God would rather have a pure heart, obedient before Him, than someone who attended church every day of his life and had a life filled with sin. 
Again, our worship does not cover up for the sin in our life. Our worship is to be an expression of our right relationship with God. We praise Him for how He has saved us. And we learn how to live a life of obedience. And then we follow Him in that. That's what worship is. It's not living a life of sin Monday through Saturday and saying, well, I'll take care of all that by coming and singing a song on Sunday. Obedience is what God wants. He doesn't want religion. And we're reminded throughout Scripture, too, it's just not obedience to God. This is the hard part for all, everybody, Christians and non-Christians, to be obedient to authority that's in our life. This is hard for us to hear sometimes, but we are to be obedient to the government. Why? Most of the time we can't stand what the government's doing. The Bible tells us very specifically to pay our taxes, to obey the laws. We're to be obedient to those who have authority over us. Not because they are better than us or because they're more righteous than us, but because God has put them there. So being obedient to them is being obedient to God. So sometimes we Christians will talk a lot about obeying God, but when it comes to other authority in our life, we want to be rebels. That's the American thing to do anyway, isn't it? To rebel against authority. That's what rock and roll is all about, rebelling against authority. And we like that as Americans. But it's not biblical. It's not Christian. We don't rebel against authority. We submit to it and obey. So, in fact, in Hebrews, Paul is talking to church members to obey their leaders in the church. Obey your leaders and submit to them. And the verse continues on basically saying this, that the more obedient and submissive that a church is to its leaders, the better it is for the leaders and the better it is for the church. This is part of a life of holiness. Confessing sin, moral purity, obedience. Let's talk about something else. Uh, the, the values of your life. What do you value? I can tell you exactly what you value. What you spend your time on and what you spend your money on. That always tells me what you value. So in the old days, you look at a checkbook. Now you do it all online. So however you do it, you know, look, and look at your bank account. What you value, you'll spend money on. And what you value, you will spend time at. That can be a harsh reality. I encourage you to do that. Because sometimes we'll talk a lot about how we value our faith, value our walk with God. But then we look at those two things and our time isn't spent with God at all. is isn't spent with Christians. is isn't spent in serving Him. is isn't spent in worshiping Him. And we look at our checkbook. We're not giving any of our money to the Lord or to His ministry or for His service. Well, then you don't value your faith. You don't value. Your, your values are exactly like the world. Here is a verse Paul reminds us to value these things. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, what is just, what is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Again, think about, as I said last week, what you consume, what you watch, what you read. 
The conversations you have with people, are they these type? With things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. Often maybe they are filled with I don't, just junk, garbage. If you take in garbage, that's what your life is going to be filled with, and that's what's going to come out of your life. Talking here about priorities. I talked about obeying, but the apostles reminded us of this, that obedience to God is more important than obedience to someone who has authority over you. This is when the authorities told the apostles, guys, we arrested you. We're kind of sorry about that. We're going to let you go on one condition. Shut your mouths about this Jesus. And they basically laughed at him. <laughs> you can let us go, you can imprison us, whatever you're going to do, but we're going to talk about Jesus because we must obey God rather than you, rather than authority, rather than men, women who have authority over us. We must obey God first. That's the first priority in our life. Think about what you have sacrificed for the Lord. Paul says this, but everything that was gained to me, I have considered it to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Can you, is that how you feel about the things in your life? That things that don't draw you closer to God, they're just, Paul considered that loss. He didn't care about those things. They didn't bring him closer to the Lord. The things in life that brought him closer to the Lord, his relationship with God, he says that's what he considered of surpassing value. Again, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That convicts me every time I read that. He's saying everything in his life, his, his relationships, the money that he had, the, the fun that he had, the things that he enjoyed, all this compared to knowing Christ was, you know, he didn't care about it. It was a loss. He would sacrifice it all if he could know Christ better. Would you do that? Would you get rid of the stuff you have? Maybe even the relationships that you have so that you could have a knowledge of Christ that's deeper. Too many times we won't even give up the comfort of the comforts of life for Christ, much less give up things that we uh, cling to. Now, sometimes people won't even go overseas on a missions trip because they're not going to have hot water when they take a shower. My goodness, I can't give that up. What will you give up, sacrifice, so that you will know Christ better? Paul said he'd give up everything. And everything that he had gained was loss. How we treat one another, finally, is how we are vessels that are ready to be used for Christ. Let's look at these quickly. Forgiveness, clear conscience, humility, and evangelism. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Look at the relationships you have with one another. If anyone has hurt you or harmed you, have you forgiven them? 
You haven't, you have no choice. We are commanded as Christians to forgive one another, just as Christ has forgiven us. And Christ has forgiven all of our sin and has forgiven us everything that we have done. Remember when Peter asked how many times he was supposed to forgive. He thought he was being generous seven times. Jesus said, well, it depends on the translation. 77 times, 70 times seven. No matter what, if you, if you forgive someone 77 times or 490 times, I think you've got that forgiveness thing down, okay? In other words, what Jesus was saying every time, every time someone asks for forgiveness, you forgive. You have a clear conscience with others. This is what Paul says. I always strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. Can you say that with others that are around you? That you haven't done wrong to them where you need to go and ask for forgiveness. That you can look at people in your life. And say, yes, I have treated them right where I haven't. I have asked for forgiveness. I have a clear conscience towards them. Look at these verses about humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord, James says, and he will exalt you. Live in harmony with one another, Paul says. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. When we look at others, Paul tells us elsewhere to have the same attitude that Jesus had, how Jesus gave up everything to die for our sin. He says to have that same attitude. He says not to consider ourselves better than others, but to put others' interests before our own. Uh, These things said about humility, again, is where we often fail as Christians because we're so self-centered. We think about our life first rather than thinking about the life of other brothers and sisters. We think of ourselves as better. Here, Paul says, don't think of yourself as being wise in your own estimation. And finally, this verse, Paul tells us about his attitude toward the lost. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Do you hear what he's saying? He's here in this chapter, he's talking about the Israelites. For the most part in his day, the Jewish people had rejected Jesus. They crucified him. Paul says this, he says, I, myself, he had a relationship with Christ, with God. He said, I would rather, I would be cut off so that all of my brothers and sisters would have that relationship with God. I'll be honest with you, I've never got to the point where I've been able to say that. That for the sake of everybody else on this earth, or, you know, I would go to hell so that they could go to heaven. That shows you how much he loved and how much he cared for the lost and what he was willing to do for them. Again, so many of us aren't even willing to sacrifice a conversation. Someone may make fun of us. Someone may not like us anymore. We won't even talk to people about Jesus because we might offend them. We won't do anything to save the to help to tell the lost about Jesus for really petty reasons, and Paul's willing to give his whole life and his whole eternity for them. We talk about how much we love 
the lost and want them to be saved, but so often we do so very little to do anything about it. This long list, I know it was a lot. The list is in your bulletin as well. I encourage you to take it home this week, to look at it, to think about it, to pray about it, to read the verses again, to be a vessel that is clean so that God can do great and amazing things through you. We cannot bring revival. That's up to God, but we can be ready for it. And the way we are ready for it is to be those clean vessels. And then when God wants to bring revival, he brings it and does it through us. Lord Jesus, we are thankful this morning that we have been saved and that we have this purpose in life. I do pray that you would help all of us to be honest with you and to clean up our lives so that we are ready for you to work through us to do the mighty, the miraculous in them for your glory. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name.